Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome to Parenthood Friday, episode 217. Before we get on with our topic, thank you to the beautiful person that wrote such a nice uh, review this week on Apple Podcasts saying, listening to Renee is like uh, chatting with my bestie. That was so nice. Do you know what, guys? Even though I might not have physically met, met a lot of you, although in my travels, a lot of you do come up and chat with me and say that you listen, which I love, I feel like we are friends right? Like I've got podcasts I listen to where I'm like, that person might not know it, but they're my friend. So guys, here it is from me. I officially, you can be my friend and I can be yours. How does that sound? Okay. So we are going to talk about today, uh, how we've got an epidemic of overprotected and under challenged kids. And I feel, um, like it's time to, to chat about this because it's not a parenting style that was associated with the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, or nineties, right? Like I was not an overprotected or underchallenged kid. I, you know, I think about my childhood, even though my mum was really pretty careful, but she was a single parent mum. We would ride our bikes outside until dark. I'm not talking like just the driveway or the street. I mean, like around the entire neighborhood. Uh, we walked to school and walked home from school every day, which was at least a half an hour's walk without an adult. Uh, I was put on a plane by myself with my sister at the ages of, we were five and seven, like by ourselves guys, to fly all the way to Sydney to see my dad. There are so many examples, but it seems to have crept in from kind of the 2000s on. It's a more recent parenting style. And I get it because our intentions are good, right? Like we, there, there does maybe seem to be increasing dangers. I think we've got social media and media and we know what dangers are lurking out there. And so we assume that by being very, very protective of our kids, that we're actually making their lives easier. But I want to challenge that thought today because, you know, if I said to you, hey, do you want to make the life of those you love easier? Of course, you'd say yes. And so if I asked you, well, how? Most of us would agree, oh, it's, you know, the way that we protect our kids and we look after them. But I want to kind of flip our thinking a little bit today because I've worked with young people for over 20 years. I've done a lot of study to do with young people and this generation, and it's becoming pretty obvious that our obsession with keeping them safe is actually, um, you know, and, and trying to protect them from ever having to suffer is actually not helping like we thought it would. And even though we've got the best of intentions, it turns out that this overprotective style that seems to be just common now could actually be hurting our kids more than helping them. So I think what's happening is we've cotton wooled and helicopter parented our kids into more fear and more anxiety and less resilience. So this is actually the reality. We've got two choices. Like we think that our option is, well, I can protect my kids from ever being hurt. And if we were to be honest and realistic, we know that that is not true. We might be able to protect them to a degree, 
But we can't always be with our kids 24-7. And even when we can, even when we are, we still can't fully protect them. So we really need to be realistic about that thought that I'm going to protect my kids from ever having been hurt. And that's my way. I'm going to show them love. Really, the two choices in reality are this. We either, number one, let them go out in the world and get hurt, as painful as that is, or we can overprotect them which actually will also hurt them. And that's what I want to concentrate on that little part at the moment. Like how are we hurting our kids by overprotecting them? So our choice is we can we can choose to make them courageous and to make them strong, but in reality, we really can't make them as safe as we want them to be. And the problem is if we only make them safe, but we don't instill in them courage and strength, then the reality is that us protecting them and not giving them the skills themselves is actually leaving them more vulnerable. Our kids need to experience risk. They need to be challenged and they need to be challenged in lots of ways. They need to be challenged physically and emotionally and socially. And that is hard as a parent because what we're doing to them in reality is overprotecting and underchallenging them is leaving our kids very unresilient and it's leaving them tragically unprepared for life and relationships. So I'm going to give us at the end of this 10 easy ways, like they're not easy because they're hard to actually do, um, but 10, 10 ways that we can stop overprotecting our kids like right now and start building their resilience muscles. You think about as they're growing up, you know, they've got safe spaces now at university. We've got this constant use of the word, you know, trigger warning, which is another, again, this is a university thing. I don't know if anyone's um, experiencing this in high school, but in university, you have to give trigger warning for, for the most mildest of content. So we're creating this uh, this generation that can never be offended. You know, when I first started this podcast, do you know who would leave the rudest comments on either my um, my posts or in my inbox was the young 18, 19 and 20 year olds and maybe, maybe a couple in their early, early 20s. Now, I was always shocked at how rude these um, young, though mostly young girls, at how rude they would be because my daughter, who was the same age at the time, would never dream of talking to another person that way, the way that these girls would talk to me. And they talked to me as if they had a right um, to, for that, you know, that their right was for me to respond and they wanted me to apologize. And the reason that they were rude and the reason that they left comments was because in their minds, I had offended them by what I'd said, like by which was most of the time the truth, by the way. Now, in reality, guys, what I was saying was not offensive, but the reason it was offensive in their minds was for one reason. They didn't agree with what I said. That's what offense now has become. It's not actually saying something that's actually horrible and offensive. It's just saying something that the other person disagrees with. Now, how did we used to handle this years ago? We just kind of laugh and move on, turn the podcast off. Oh, okay, she, she can have her opinion, fine. But now they get so offended by the disagreement, they have to jump on and it's their right now for me to have to apologize to them and engage in conversation and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. 
So I think what's happening, we've got this, uh, some young people who obviously as children, they've just been given everything that they want. They've been treated like princesses. They've been protected, defended, never made to take responsibility and left very unprepared for the real world. They think that the second they're offended, the world owes it to them, you know, to make that person stop. Now, the literature is clear. According to, I was having a listen uh, to something that Jordan Peterson said the other day. He said that the the literature is very clear that overprotecting an anxious child actually makes them worse. So let's talk about that for a moment, because that's another thing that a lot of children are suffering um, from anxiousness. Um, Now, he was saying that overprotecting an anxious child is crystal clear that it actually makes them worse. Now, someone asked me to address this the other day, and I thought this is a really good spot for it. Of course, um, I used to work in a school and have done for like 20 plus years, and I'm used to seeing this all the time. But this uh, person that was talking to me also works in a school. And she was saying, oh my gosh, and I would also see this, that the children, a lot of children absolutely carry on when their mum drops them off to school. And these kids can go on and on and cry and cry. And believe me, I've seen this. You guys have probably all seen it if you've been in a primary school before. The child cries, they throw a tantrum, they don't want mum to go, they don't want to go inside the classroom, they hold onto mum's legs, they won't let her go. And mum bends down and soothes and comforts and does this half-hearted attempt at peeling them off. Guys, can I be really, really blunt here? Let me tell you from a long time of experience and having my three kids myself, do you know who is creating that scenario? It's actually not the child. It is the parent. Because why do you have 10 other children next to you who are saying goodbye to mum putting their bag away, walking into the classroom. Now, is it scary when they first go to school? Yes. Are our kids going to find themselves in situations where they're going to get anxious and they might cry and they might get upset? Yes. But guess what? That moment right there is an opportunity for us to create courage in our child. And so I remember this mum that I taught a couple of her boys and guys, she had six boys. She really wanted a girl. She used to tell me this, I really want a girl. So she kept having kids and by the sixth boy, she was the most hysterical mum I've ever met. She was amazing. But she never let her kids get away with one second of that behavior. She was the best mum. She would peel them off her legs, tell them to stop and say, I'll see you at school pick off, pick up this afternoon. And she would walk off without ever looking back. So what I would do as a teacher in those situations is I would always take control of those situations. I would take them gently but firmly by the hand and I would say to them, now you're going to be fine. Say goodbye to mom. You're going to see her after school and we're going to show her all the wonderful things that you did. And then I would look at the mom who was also usually emotional and say, hey, guess what? We're going to be fine and we're going to have a great day. You go have a great day too. And she will, I promise you, she'll stop crying the second that we're inside. So half the time I was parenting the parents. So if you've got a child who, you know, and and this lady that was talking to me about this, she's like, am I being harsh about this? And I'm like, no, you're not. And she's like, but if I dare say something, parents get so offended. Like, yeah, but you know what? It's actually not doing our children a favor when we 
um, over when we protect their anxious behavior. What we have to do is instead turn our mindset and go, I'm not being mean when I'm, you know, telling my child they're going to be fine and mop up their tears and walk inside. What we're doing is we're creating opportunities for courage. And we need to do that constantly in our parenting. And we need to fight against our urge to try and overprotect because it's such a natural urge in all of us. And one of the reasons is we feel like protecting means that we're caring, right? I know because I've been there, I feel like that even now, sometimes when my kids face situations, it's like my protecting means that I'm caring. But sometimes our, you know, we have to flip that and go, actually, the way to care is to, you know, kick them out the nest, so to speak. And also sometimes there can be a part of us where we want to feel needed. It can be hard when our kids start to grow up and they don't need us anymore. You know, we've had our identity wrapped around our kids for so many years, and that's a scary thought. So there was a study done. Um, it was called uh, the Over- Overprotective Parents and a New Generation of American Children. And it was a study done by Berkeley. And I just wanted to read you guys a little bit before I give you these 10 different things that we can start doing now. Um, so let me read some of it. As for the effect of overprotection on the well-being of the child, studies have shown that overprotective parenting can lead to risk aversion, a dependency on the parents, a higher risk of psychological disorders, a lack of strong coping mechanisms, and chronic anxiety, which intuitively makes a lot of sense. The article goes on to say, a child that is not allowed to take risks or make his or her own choices is bound to face a lot of anxiety and trouble when having to face the harsh realities of a chaotic world. Interestingly enough, the effects of overprotectiveness share uncanny similarities to those of neglect, albeit to a lesser degree. That's really interesting, right? Because we're doing the opposite to neglect, right? By overprotecting, we're doing the absolute opposite to neglect, but some of the effects on the child turn out to be similar. Now, the study goes on to say, all in all, children become less equipped to deal with the stresses of the world as adults, and we can see that in the data. College students have higher rates of severe mental illness and higher rates of students on psychiatric medicine than those of only a decade ago. And interviews with several hundred professionals at campus counseling centers reveal that a lack of coping skills is precisely what distinguishes today's college students. Younger generations today are generally more likely to rank their stress levels above that of older generations as well. Part of the reason for these differences can be attributed to the youth not having learned how to deal with stress as well as older individuals have, but part of it can also be attributed to children being sent off to college without the necessary self-management skills that are learned through independent thought and risk-taking earlier on in their lives. So guys, the more protective we are earlier on in their lives, the more negative results we're going to see with our kids not having stress or life coping mechanisms as they start to navigate the world. So that reason alone is a really good reason to start 
fighting against our natural urge to overprotect. Notice I'm saying overprotect, okay? I'm not talking about general protection. I'm talking about overprotection. Now, this is hard as mums, especially because we are the nurturers. And so it's hard to just flip out of that. And this can be where dads can be really good because dads probably are not by nature Um, majority of them are not as nurturing as we are naturally. And so this is where sometimes we can, it can be good to let the dads kind of start to lead the way. All right. So let's go with 10 things that we can start to do now to stop overprotecting and under challenging our children. So 10 things that we can do to help them right now start to um, you know, to, to be opportunities for courage, to be opportunities for them to start learning coping skills as young children. Okay. And you might not associate these with this, but it's really interesting. So the first thing that you can do guys, put them in their room for some alone time. I know, right? How kind of weird is that? I used to read that in one of the parenting books where it would always talk about, let your kid have alone time in their room. So obviously you want to make sure that their room's safe for them to be in on their own. Um, but this is really good for them. But think about it. I know very, very, very few parents who would tell their children to go off and play on their own in their room. Now you can start this from a really young age, but most parents tend to keep their kids in view all the time. So make sure their bedrooms are safe and make sure that they have time to play alone where they learn to entertain themselves and they learn that they don't always need you close by. So they're going to learn their own, you know, that that creates a bit of courage, okay? Like you start doing that when they're like three, two and three, then they're not going to freak out being left alone when they have to go to school when they're five or kindy when they're four. Okay, number two siblings toughen each other up. So let them. So when you hear an argument, guys, between siblings, don't always jump in straight away. There is nothing like siblings to toughen each other up. It is good for them. It's a part of, um, it's a part of sibling, uh, not just sibling rivalry, but that's, that's good for them. It's good for them to not always come to you, but to go to one of their siblings. So let that, let that process naturally take its course. Number three, don't do for them what they can do for themselves. Now, guys, I'll be honest, I probably was not very good at this one myself. Oh, on some things I was and some things I wasn't because yes, I'm a perfectionist. Okay. But I know I would try to, you know, I'll give you some really practical examples of not doing for them what they can do for themselves. Now, yes, it's going to be slower, but when you see it in the light that you are starting to teach your kids coping skills, which is going to, you know, build their resilience, which is going to really help them cope later in life, get them to do things like tie their own shoes. Guys, your child has to be able to tie tie their own shoes by the time they go to school. Okay, no more bending down and doing it for them. Um, they should be packing their own bags. Don't pack their bags from a very young age, from kindy, from from childcare. Your kids can pack their own bags. Don't do it for them. Um, oh my gosh, do you want to hear a story on this one? I remember being at a state conference with some pastors, and one of the pastors. Um, kids had left their bags downstairs in the in the kids' room where they'd um, you know had been looked after, and the pastor turned to his wife and goes, "Oh, the kids left their bags down there. You better go get them." 
And so she kind of looked at him and I was chatting with them and I go, are you kidding me right now? And he's like, yeah, no, like you, and said to his wife again, go down and get the kids bags. And I, I remember saying to him, you're really lucky that I'm not married to you because I'm like, I'll be, I would have turned around and said, no, the kids can go back and get their own bags because they were old enough. So, (laughs) excuse me, things like that, get them to walk into school on their own. Now these are age appropriate. Okay. You don't always have to walk them into school, pick a couple days a week where they walk in on their own, get them to set the table. You don't have to do everything for them is, you know, if they can pick up a fork and a knife and a placemat and they can walk, they can start helping you set the table make their bed. We did that a whole podcast on that. Um, It's actually not caring to do everything for them. Can I say that again, guys? Let me give you permission to start getting your kids to do stuff for themselves because it is not caring to do everything for them. You know, as they get older, don't do their own washing. Let them make their own lunches. So do do you know what I did this morning? There was, my kids had done their own washing and then this is what they tend to do. They leave it to dry and then they leave it and they leave it and they leave it. And they think that the ironing fairy is going to come along and iron it. And I now am as busy as them, right? I'm not a stay at home mum anymore. I'm, I work, we're all busy. I grabbed the whole lot and it was a huge pile. I even grabbed Cameron's stuff in there. And I'm like, guys, I go, your last slave must've died. Right, and I I put everything up on the banister upstairs, and I walked away. Well, then I could hear fighting as I was sorting it out, and I was like, "Excellent, you guys can fight about it. I am as busy as you. You can all do your own ironing." But they would have loved it if I, and they would have totally accepted it if I did it for them. So believe me, it happens with adult kids. All right, number four. Uh, as they get older, guys, some of you might not like this one, but don't let them sleep in your bed. Now, this was a Jordan Peterson one. So let me repeat him. I know Liam used to try and sleep in our bed all the time and we would march him back to his own bed. And Jordan Peterson says the reason is they need to become independent and they need to distinguish between you and them. And one of the ways you can do that is don't let them look. If they have a nightmare and it's a one-off, that's something different. But don't make a habit of letting them sleep in your bed. Number five, let them have rough and tumble play. Now, again, this is where dads are really good. Um, I have grown up in a family of girls. So when I would see Cameron play rough and tumble, I would sometimes be mortified at how rough he was with the boys. He was never as rough with Georgia. Um, But I zipped my lip because I realized that it was good for them. Okay. So don't protect your kids from that. Let them have rough and tumble play. Number six, a sixth way that you can stop overprotecting, under challenging right now and build their resilience muscles for the future. Let them take the consequences. Now, it's very tempting to not enforce or to even try and protect our kids from consequences. We've all been there. Your kid comes home from school. Mum, I got in trouble with the teacher today. Why did you get in trouble? And of course, the kid's going to paint it in the best light towards them. And so what do we want to do? We get on our email and we start, you know, rather than even finding out what the story was, we start telling our teacher how unimpressed we were at what happened and blah, blah, blah. You know what? Let your kids fight some of their battles. Let them take consequences because it's not doing a favor to always protect them. Do we have time for a story? Okay. Quick story on this one. This is kind of funny, but guys, this really happened. 
Right, this is a story of one of my boys in primary school, and I won't name him, although you might be able to guess. One of my boys got into massive trouble, but please let me give you context. When he was in primary school, graffiti, okay, you know where this is heading. Graffiti was really cool, right? Like I'm talking legal graffiti, not illegal graffiti. So it kind of was really cool. And when we went down to Melbourne, we went there for a holiday and we showed him all these big graffiti walls in Melbourne. We bought him the Banksy book, which is the guy that would go around graffitiing. Yeah, okay, I know, but it was art. So he and his friends at the same time had created this skate label with this kind of graffiti tag. So it turns out my son was taking a marker to the toilets and was tagging the toilet door and the toilet walls. I know. He literally was graffitiing, right? I'm mortified. Anyway, the school cleaner found all this and photographed it. And this photograph was sent as an email to all the teachers' emails. Now, I am a teacher at that school at the time. So when this comes through, I totally recognized it because it was this skate brand that he was tagging the toilet doors and the toilet walls with. And I was like, oh my Lord, that's my kid. And and this email was like, we're going to find out who this was. Like the whole school were aware of this. Well, I pulled him aside and look, innocent or not, because yes, we'd showed him all of that. He did know, um, you know, that he, it, it was really wrong what he was doing. But I remember when I asked him, do you think it's wrong? He kind of looked at me like he really didn't have a malicious bone in his body. He wasn't like this rebellious kid that was grabbing this permanent marker. Like I think he just thought it was cool, but I still could not protect him from the consequence. And so I said to him, either this is your choice. You go and confess right now to the deputy that it was you, or I will go and tell the deputy that it was you and you will then get in double trouble. You will take a consequence from the school and from me. So he was so upset and sad. He went to the deputy. He turned out he was the only one to confess. Um, He had to tell the deputy who all the other boys were. They had to do community service, right? But get this, He was the only kid out of that group that came on time and worked his butt off. And they they just knew he was such a good kid. They actually released him early from the school community service, right? So it was kind of a bit funny. But the point is, I didn't try and protect him. I'm like, dude, you either go in and take responsibility and take the consequence, or if I have to go and tell them, you'll get the double trouble for it. And so, you know, kids... um, you know, it's good for kids to have to take those consequences. Okay. I landed on that one for a bit, but number seven, let them experience adventures without you. Okay. They need a sense of dependency away from you. Send them on that school camp. You know, if they're year seven, send them on that youth group camp. Um, You know, one of my boys had a friend in year six whose mother became very anxious that year. And the next minute, her son was anxious about everything and didn't want to go on camp. And, you know, rather than pushing him, um, she just allowed him and held him back. And I remember just thinking that's so sad because he's about to go to high school next year where you can't protect them as much. So, um, yeah, let them experience life without you when in, in places where you know that they're safe. We're nearly done. Number eight, this is an important one. Um, keep your worries to yourself, okay? So what I mean by that is if you're worried about an activity that they're about to undertake, don't keep verbalizing to your kid 
the worst case scenario. Now, guys, I'm saying this to I am preaching to myself, okay? I think I used to often tell my kids the worst case scenario because I wanted them to know so that they wouldn't, you know, get hurt. But what you're doing, what when what I did, it was wrong. I actually put too much fear into them. So of course you want them to be safe to a degree, right? So there's a balance, right? Where you want to alert them to danger, but don't verbalize worst case scenarios. Just keep those worries to yourself. Okay. I probably overdid this last week when Ashton went camping with his best friend's family. And look, I pretty much scared the kajibis out of him about riding these, you know, motorbikes around the farm and told him how people die doing <laughs> doing that. And so it turns out he rode the motorbike for a couple of meters. And I think the bike got away from him and did a bit of a wheelie. And he's just like, in his head, he's like, I'm going to die because mum said that if this happens, I'm going to die. He jumped off, never got on it again. So that's what I mean. You know, you want your kids to experience a bit of risk safely. So he went on the quad bike. Uh, number nine, don't solve all their problems for them. Okay. Let them struggle a little bit. I know it's hard, but let them struggle and find solutions for themselves because otherwise it robs them of the opportunity to learn and grow. And they're going to need problem solving skills in the world. And, you know, the skills that they learn when they struggle could be, and probably will be the very struggles that they'll need later in life. And can I give you a little bit of a hint? If you're watching your kid trying to solve a problem and you feel like you're not coping watching them, walk away. Okay, walk away. Because the last thing that our kids need is learned helplessness. Because learned helplessness breeds anxiety. And we really set our kids up for a win when we teach them to solve their own problems. And number 10, this is where we're going to land at number 10. Don't give fake praise. Okay, I'm probably, I've probably seen this so much as a teacher that I was almost the opposite with my kids. Like I, I was very realistic about my kids and their abilities. And I did not think that my son shot, the sun shone out of everything my kids did. And I think that was a reaction to me watching parents over praise their kids and give fake praise. Guys, kids know when they're not good at something. Okay. So, um, you know, for example, say, say they're in a running race at school and, you know, poor Johnny might, you know, come fifth or sixth in the race, right? I've seen parents that just like praise their kid for that. Like, oh my gosh. Whereas I'm like, you know, we kind of set our kids up for a big loss if we tell them that everything they do is wonderful. So if my kids would come like last or fifth or sixth or whatever, I'd be like, oh dude, I think you might have mum's running skills there. We'd have a good giggle and go, but you know what I would say to them? I am so proud of you for having a go. So start, you know, build character into them that way. It's, it's not about, you know, don't give them fake praise. Like don't treat them as if they won when they didn't. It's, it's okay. And I would actually say to my kids, you know what? You can't be good at everything, but what I do want is for you to try everything. And so celebrate what they're genuinely good at. And then when they're not great at something, then be realistic about that too. Otherwise, when your kids go out in the real world, they're going to falter and they're going to break so easily. Okay, so instead make it about, you know, I'm so proud of you for having a go. And yes, I'm not a good runner. <laughs> Can you tell? So guys, there you go. Oh, we've got a little bit over time. 
um, for Parenting Friday because normally we only do kind of 20 minutes, but there you go. So be challenged. Don't feel like the mean parent, okay, when you're under over when you're under instead of overprotecting them. If you're not overprotecting them, do not feel like the mean parent. You're the parent giving them courage, building their resilience muscles and doing the best by them for the future. So I hope those things have helped you. I'm sure some of those resonated, one or two or three or maybe more. I'm sure you've had a giggle along the way thinking, oh my gosh, yes, I do that. Um, And we've all been there and I get it because I tend to be an overprotective mother also. So I'm with you. I understand. Um, But yeah, I know that it's going to help our kids when we, you know, push them out the nest, so to speak. Guys, have a wonderful week. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for sharing um, this podcast with your friends. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for your beautiful um, reviews as well. I really appreciate it. And I cannot wait to be back with you on Wednesday. So until then, have a great week. Bye.